1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. We are The News Lads, and this is The News Lads. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. I'm not going to tell the people it took you four takes to get that right. Oh my God, mate. I've actually written it down. I don't know. I just its the <laughs> fact the little comma, the little comma throws me off. I don't, I want to have the nice little title where it's like, you know, news lads, two different ways you can take it. Reminds me of the Linkin Park album, Living Things, where they're all living things, but they're also living things. Get it? Because they're living things. It reminds me of that. Um, but still, we are the news lads and we just thought that we'd round up a bunch of stuff from the holidays. There's actually been more than we initially thought once I started having a Google. Um, quite, a thing, quite a few things, quite a few things. Happened across the holidays Might be quite messy this podcast Because this is the most that me and you have done any sort of Performative thing in a couple of weeks But you know there's plenty to talk about Plenty to dive in so don't worry about it I've got Good. many things yeah And so the first piece of news we're going to get onto a big old discussion uh, About cyberpunk because me and you haven't talked about it That much with um, that game sort of Coming out right before we all you know went on our Christmas holidays and stuff um, So we'll we'll do the majority of this podcast breaking down cyberpunk Stuff um, but in terms of News things um, one thing that we seeing. On uh, their LinkedIn page for Sony's London studio, and they're working on a, their next big title. Now, these are the guys that made uh, Blood and Truth and um, the Getaway VR, the Getaway portion of the PSVR Worlds demo. Um, and they're made up of the uh, Team Soho, it's the team that made the Getaway. So, um, it's you know, Blood and Truth is a big old VR game, but hardly anybody plays PSVR, minus me and you. Sucks. I know,
2: and truth was really good, mate. There was a point where you could DJ while also shooting bad guys. Like, it might be game of the century for all I care, because that bit was amazing. Uh, This sounds really fun. Like, obviously, Mm. if they're making a PlayStation 5 game, it's going to be seen by more people, it's going to be played by more people, it has to hit a different kind of. Um, barrier of quality I suppose because there's a lot you can do in kind of like a shooter on VR that might appear rote um, and a bit unoriginal Mm. when you're just holding it in a controller but like just based on what they've done before in the inventive way that they've used PlayStation tech I'm here for this, I imagine it's going to be crime based, sounds good
1: yeah, I'm wondering though, do they still do? Because it's it's almost like depending on what they do in terms of whether it's a whether it's a VR game or not, almost dictates whether we're even getting PSVR two or whatever. Because Sony said uh, it was, I'm sure it was Jim Ryan who was like, "I've got no man, I don't care. You'll have a PSVR headset at some point in the future." And that was it. And then it was all like, "Well, nothing's gonna happen throughout 2021." But for me, this sort of studio would be so much better served just making a full-on quote-unquote proper game rather than a VR game. I don't know,
2: man. Like, why not both? Like, if if mm. the people there want to make a proper triple A, you know, console game, then all the power to them. But if they, they wanna want to stay them. and play VR games, that's that's also cool. Like, I'm 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 here for studios that Sony has under their wing, kind of trying new things and mm. making stuff for different peripherals or consoles or whatever. You know, they have such a great slate and we talk a lot about who can Sony buy next? And the reality is they don't really need to buy anyone because they've no. got such a great collection of developers. And we've seen those developers transform as the years have gone on, like Sucker Punch now, even though they've alre- they've always been successful with the likes of, you know, the infamous franchise. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, Ghost of Tsushima really knocked them up a level. We've seen it with Guerrilla Games where Horizon knocked them up a level. Like they've worked on successful games in the past. But now they're, like, considered top tier alongside Mm. the likes of Naughty Dog or, you know, um, Santa Monica or whatever. Mm. And I feel like, you know, Sony's really good at building these studios and allowing them to almost level up between projects and do something (laughs) new. And I hope this kind of continues that trend. Yeah, thank
1: you. I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, they can become PlayStation Plus, like their added (laughs) value to the lineup i think that um i don't know <laughs> the thing with this is that it makes me like i said it makes me wonder about the future of vr because i just like that whole the examples that you gave there. those studios did step up and santa monica obviously god of war 2018 it's a whole other echelon of like quality um but i kind of just wonder if you can even get there with vr like if something like half-life alex can't you know turn the heads of the mainstream um where even that game as it's being held up as one of the best games of 2020 and you know Rich and O's won't shut up about it for even a, a few <laughs> seconds and um, i get that it's absolutely phenomenal but I just do you think that the VR has a future for the like it just needs another massive goal like someone else like Sony just needs to throw even more money and time and talent at it?
2: I think so i think just because something isn't bringing in all the eyeballs it can possibly bring <laughs> in just because it hasn't broke the mainstream doesn't necessarily mean it's not worth doing you know what i mean you know i feel like if all publishers have is this all or nothing mentality where you know it's a all or nothing game if P- psvr isn't considered a success if it doesn't bring in console numbers you know what i mean i think that's like a kind of a a reductive way to look at things because something can have like a small install base, but have a really passionate install base and have a lot of, you know validity and creativity within that framework and i feel like even if vr is not going to be the next big thing it's not going to be as big as the switch or as big as you know the playstation 2 or whatever it doesn't mean it's not valid man it doesn't mean it's not worthy oh, no, no, of it's... having oh no no you're not saying this i mean uh-huh. hypothetical to the jim ryan's and the people <laughs> at you know playstation who might be weighing up whether or not they should continue it i think ultimately mm-hmm. they should and having great developers like this working on titles it can only
1: be a win I'll tell you what, I bought, because uh, I bought a PSVR for No Man's Sky, that's the level of human that I'm at, and I, I had a lovely time with No Man's Sky, but I bought Blood and Truth, and then just never started it, it just sat on my so, little so. dashboard for <laughs> the entire time, I bought um, the Rick and Morty VR game, I bought a whole load of stuff, I was going to take it seriously, and then I just took the head self, and I just, I packed away all the cables, and I never touched it again mate, I actually boxed it away over the holiday, it's now in my spare I room. I know I keep trying to I keep saying like Scott man there's so many good games just unbox it put it
2: on and you give me the same spiel every time about <laughs> how you don't like being in an isolated room there might be a murderer in the house or something. I don't yeah. know man, just get get over that initial boundary, bring it back out, play blood and truth, do a bit of DJing have a good time. I'm
1: not going to lie, the uh, the scene where the man is, is DJing with his left hand firing a rifle with the right hand is moment of the generation, like it's right <laughs> up there, uh, it's brilliant but um, I don't know, maybe at some point, it, maybe if they put a bit more, I don't know, some sort of head some sort of unique idea that can only be done in VR, then I'll check it out, which I guess technically the DJ rifle thing is um, but next piece of news is that Uplay could be joining Xbox Game Pass and uh, this comes from Windows Central's Jez Corden um, tweeting that he's heard various rumours about it, he says, I I think this has a strong chance of being true based on stuff I've heard. Um, I forget the other stuff that uh, Mr. Corden has put out before, but I know his. I knew him from Windows Central. He's sort of he has leaked stuff in the past, so he has sort of commented on things that have yes. came true in the future. Um, what do you think of this general approach to it? Something else to throw in with Game Pass is that um, I saw on N4G just before we started recording that um, you know Microsoft put out that they're removing games from Game Pass, which they do all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But it was um, Tekken 7 is sort of turning heads because it's a big high profile game that's no longer on Game Pass or won't be as of January 15th. Um, And so like what you sort of think of the approach of the the monthly model as it is, like the idea of adding on EA Play, Uplay and bolting it out, uh, bolstering it, but then also sort of rotating things through.
2: Yeah, I think like the rotation is always going to be a reality to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. You've always kind of hope, you hope that the big games don't ever go, you know. We see that across all different mediums. I think Netflix might have either just put on the office or taken off the office, but every single time (laughs) they do either, it becomes like a big thing, you know what I mean? And also it's kind of a way for publishers or whatever to kind of artificially create hype. You know, if Mm -hmm. they take GTA off, they can make a big thing about GTA 5 coming back, you know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. a cool bolster for subscribers, even if it might be artificial or whatever in terms of the Uplay play things and the ubisoft plus thing specifically i keep forgetting that subscription thing even happened man <laughs> like i forget that exists and is out and people pay for it because it's such a strange thing mm. and me personally as much as i do quite like some ubisoft games i could never imagine playing a bunch of them back to back in like a subscription do format, you know what I mean? No. Like, I like I get my fill from one, and then I'm then I'm kind of done. But as a means of bolstering Game Pass, like mm-hmm. it's a cool idea. It's a I think it'll be a even more bang for your buck in terms of that subscription and what you get out of it. Like Game Pass is awesome, and more games is awesome
1: yeah yeah it, it it increasingly feels like unbelievable like i just the amount of it, it's always been the case like the amount of sheer like bang for your buck you get with a monthly subscription to game pass and we're not obviously sponsored by them whatsoever it just <laughs> is that stupid and yes. um, the amount of games you can get um but that was the thing i mean i I'd never really thought that i would value the ea side of things until i just randomly fancied a game of Titanfall 2 and then it was like well you already own this because it's part of ea play and so are so are the mass effect games um i could just sort of grab them as well the only thing that kind of goes against it, and is and this is like a weird point necessarily potentially to make. But playing so much stuff across the holiday break, like I was ping ponging between so many different things from Kentucky Route Zero to sayonara Wild Hearts to whatever, um, is that it doesn't necessarily tick the box of next gen? Like, you know, I'm diving into all these old games. I'm looking at Splinter Cell with its auto HDR stuff on; it looks great. But it wasn't until I came back to Immortals: Phoenix Rising and Assassin's Creed, which obviously ironically are are Ubisoft games, that I was kind of like, oh yeah, 4K resolutions, oh yeah, these really cool lighting effects oh yeah particle effects all this new stuff and like all these sort of like instant loading and all these different things and um, things that a game pass subscription can't tick the box of like it isn't next gen like obviously it predates next gen but at the same time you know it's weird bolstering this side of it you you always like you're going to throw money towards investing in the medium it's never really going to wow you in in terms of the, the technology side that you sort of get from the next gen stuff
2: No, I know what you mean. Like, I I want those kind of individual next-gen experiences. Mm. I just kind of have to hope that, you know, with Games Pass... They put new stuff on it. Yeah, we get new (laughs) stuff on there. I'm sure obviously all of Microsoft's first party, maybe even some second party stuff will be going straight to there that will Mm -hmm. give it that kind of next gen oomph. But I think for the moment, like in terms of building a foundation, in terms of play of building an install base, Mm -hmm. adding on these extra games that you know loads of people love, loads of people love Assassin's Creed, loads of people love Far Cry. People will potentially get game pass to play those games even if even if they're not like the latest releases even if yeah. they're getting it to play something like you know Immortals Phoenix Rising that could be something that excels on a platform like Game Pass you know it mm-hmm. might be something now that a lot of people aren't kind of willing to give it a try but if they did they would find out that it's a really a good game and they'd love it and I think that's what Game Pass sort of excels in bringing out you know it gives life to those games that people might not be willing to spend 60 pounds on mm-hmm. Or 70 pounds now in the case of next-gen games and try it out for
1: themselves. Just get Kentucky Route Zero on there, and we can all <laughs> we can all try it out. I finally went went back to it and played a bit of it. Immortals: Phoenix Rising as well. Mentioning that game, no one's ever going to believe how good that game is. No one's ever <laughs> going to buy it because it's Ubisoft formula of the game. Um, mm-hmm. but it's actually genuinely pretty good. Um, saying that was definitely my holiday game that I sunk 20 hours into, just sitting on a couch with sausages and blankets, pigs and blankets even. Um, doing very little else other than mopping up Ubisoft checkpoints. Um, the next news thing is that Bethesda and Netflix are apparently working on Elder Scrolls TV show. Uh, this comes from Daniel Rixman, um, who is a sort of regular insider, leaker, all sorts of things regarding Spider-Man movies, the MCU side of things, um, saying that Bethesda and Netflix's next collaboration is going to be Elder Scrolls. Um, does any part of you, what do you think? What do you think of this? Not,
2: not in this, Scott Tailford. It's weird because I'm a big Elder <laughs> Scrolls fan and I'm kind Thanks. of still a big Bethesda fan, you know what I mean? But it's not something that I want to see adapted to TV, mm. especially in a world like, you know, in twenty. 21 that we're currently in that I have to remind myself right now <laughs> yes. um you know like fantasy high fantasy like that it's like kind of a damn it doesn't everyone's wanting to create the next game of thrones or whatever and obviously the elder scrolls doesn't have that same hard edge mm-hmm. but it's like we, we've got no shortage of fantasy kind of programs or fantasy series and I feel like elder scrolls even though I love it I I can't imagine what a TV executive will bring to the table that I don't get from the games, especially because the games, even more so than Fallout, I'd argue, are so open-ended. Like, you can jump in there, you can create your character in a way that you can't in in Fallout by, you know, being a completely different race or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you can customise it to such an extent where the appeal of that franchise, at least for me, is being a player in this world and exploring the world and don't know how you get that from a really structured TV show.
1: See, the thing for me, I, they can fall back on, you know, the likes of the uh, the Stormcloaks versus the Imperials. And you can sort of do that as like a political thing. And you can dive into that and try and tick the box of the Game of Thrones crowd a little bit. I feel like Game of Thrones being so, like falling on its face so violently sort of opened up a giant well that a lot of different teams are trying to fill. Obviously, there's the Lord of the Rings show over on Amazon. But the my whole thing is the budget. I just if you get mm-hmm. fantasy wrong on TV, which hardly any shows get it right, Thrones did. Um, where you had the budget to make it work, and the dra- even something like Dragons looked convincing and believable. If you get it wrong, which I'm, I, I couldn't get away with the Witcher show at all, it just looks like mm-hmm. a bunch of people in a forest with like a few That's costumes it. and a camera. Yeah.
2: and I think Oblivion as well, especially mm. like the the last few, the Oblivion story, the, the past few Elder Scrolls, including Oblivion, mm-hmm. have like this such epic scale. Like it's yes. not just about like the fantasy world as it exists, but you're traveling through dimensions. In Skyrim, you've got literally battle battles between dragon gods and stuff. And it's like, how do you translate that to the small screen without having it cost an arm and a leg and it just (laughs) completely tanking whoever produces it and then also making sure that people tune in to watch. I think it's difficult. I think it's not as natural as Fallout, because although while you could level the same complaints to the Fallout TV show that's coming about, that the appeal of that franchise is it's open-ended. It's you in that world, I feel like that post-apocalyptic world is kind of a bit more grounded and you have more characters to kind of play with in a way that you could see it on TV I can't yeah. see the Elder Scrolls on TV the scope just seems too big
1: yeah I I, 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 I don't know because you had the whole thing where like I said like you, you mentioned like you know fallouts coming true and things like that and I just I don't know my whole fallback is always let the um, thing that was created for a specific medium stay within that medium like you said the hook is within that medium um, and it's like how do you even make something like Elder Scrolls feel identifiable other than just being more fantasy like the Dragon's Dogma TV show um you know kind of has different um plot points to fall back on like your main guy gets his heart stolen and stuff like that so it's a little bit differentiable but it's still anime fantasy like in, in that uh, mm-hmm. franchise's case whereas it does come to life when you when you can play it and you can trade the different porn characters and stuff like that so i don't know maybe it's gonna work it's just it, the the um speed at which so many different netflix shows have been sort of like confirmed in a row like from yeah. splinter cell to fallout to now elder scrolls and i'm like i just it feels like netflix casting a really wide net
2: yes i probably yeah, just 100%. cancel stuff anyway
1: that, that isn't going to work.
2: The fact that it's Netflix also makes me a little bit worried. Like, of course, I'm going to watch it because it's mm. The Elder Scrolls and it's on telly and it's on Netflix. So obviously <laughs> I'm going to watch it. But like you said, you know, their original programming or even the stuff that they just buy in is so wildly inconsistent. It's like, <laughs> it could either be great, it might be middling or it's going to be terrible. Like there's no kind of um, you know, assurance of quality with Netflix mm. producing it. Like you said, they just cast this wide net, hope something sticks <laughs> and then cancel everything after three seasons.
1: Ugh. Speaking of cancellations, random recommendation, I watched a lot of Colony over holidays. Colony Never is seen a good that. show. What no, because the thumbnail for it on Netflix nothing to do with video games at all. The thumbnail for that show on Netflix is just like, it's uh, Josh Holloway, Sawyer from Lost, with like his, his family oh, members. And it looks okay. like the most generic thing in the world but it's actually written by Carlton Cuse and it's this really cool post-apocalyptic dystopian thing, where a bunch of aliens are forcing everybody to live in zones, and it's like XCOM. It's like a whole. Actually, I can make a video game related. It's like XCOM, where uh, and it's in XCOM 2, where all the all the upper echelons of humanity are answering to the aliens, and it's like totalitarianism on a whole other scale. It's brilliant, mate.
2: Is that real or was that a fever dream you had for too many pork pies over Christmas?
1: It was real and then they cancelled it because it's Netflix. <laughs> but it was it's two really, really good seasons that as soon as you start Googling it, there's an entire fan base going, Oh my god, it's brilliant. Can the world notice this? And then I'm one of them now. And uh, and yeah, then it just got cancelled because no one saw it. And the worst thumbnail ever is what they used to sell it on the Netflix scroll screen. It just looks like toss. Of course you good. found
2: something to love starring Josh Holloway. like that is <laughs> that's the most Scottsdale for the thing I've ever heard of Me, life. The man is
1: not in enough stuff. I don't know what I have to do <laughs> to wave the little flag for Mr. Holloway, but he was in Lost and he was in Mission Impossible and then nothing else. And I didn't even know he was in Colony until I watched it the other day. Um, anyway, these are the news lads. We're the news lads. This is the news lads. Good. Um, next thing is um, Christopher Nolan was sitting down with Mr. Jeff Keighley after he did the game awards. Um, and Keighley asked him about the idea of turning his various IPs into video games themselves. Um, Um, And there's a quote from Nolan where he said, it's definitely something I'm interested in. And he mentioned that he went fairly far down the road with Inception, which makes me think that Mm. he sketched out an Inception video game. Um, He says that overall, you don't just want to be doing a licensed game. You don't just want to be tying in with something and using the brand established by the film. And he sort of just reiterated that something needs to be done properly if he is going to do games based on movies. But what do you think of a Chris Nolan video game? I imagine the sound Um. mixing would be bad. (laughs) <laughs> Very yeah. good. I imagine the soundtrack would go.
2: Um, <laughs> oh, if you can hit
1: a button and it goes. Boom.
2: Take that. <laughs> good. I mean, I, d- I don't know how they translate over. Like, obviously, they have a lot of action in. Obviously, they're really good. Obviously, the concepts are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see them at all translating, which is so <laughs> weird considering that, you know, Tenant for a lot of its runtime. Feels kind of like a video game in terms mm. of its mecha- You can see the, the protagonist, the, the gameplay mechanics. Yeah, the protagonist. You can see like where it could translate, and yet I just it doesn't seem like a natural fit. It would be cool, it would be a weird experiment. The idea of an inception game is interesting, but it's like, like, well, it, would you not have done this with Batman? Like, the Batman seems like the obvious fit, and I know we yes. had a Dark Knight game in production for a long time. There but, was a Batman Begins game, I, I, there was, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, it's, it blanks me head. I was no, I'll tell you what, I'll
1: tell you what, though. If they ever did an Inception game, it, that game is pretty much just Psychonauts. I don't know if you played Psychonauts, but, like, if they did an Inception game, yes. you would just pick different dudes and then go inside their minds and just play dream levels. And it would just be psychonauts.
2: I, yeah, I've never thought about that comparison, but yeah. now you now you mentioned it. Psychonauts <laughs> is inception. Psychonauts literally <laughs> is
1: inception. If Pixar did it, like it's just it's literally that. It just go. There's like that, that army general guy. You go inside his mind, and then you run down the war trenches and stuff, and kind of like the of Death Stranding as well. Dream levels, mate. That's the future. Interesting.
2: Yeah, I'd, yeah, sure. Like, uh, I don't like. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm really not <laughs> this convinced. This is
1: this is a, a rough thing to hit you with on the fourth day of the new year. After it, it both really of is. us have been away for two weeks,
2: it really is. First thing back, and you're like, Josh, what if Christopher Nolan made a video game? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I what if no psychonauts was inception, that?
1: mate? Um. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on to the, uh, the sort of the meat of this thing, even though we've only got about 12-ish minutes left. Uh, listen, we thought Love we'd it. talk a bit about Cyberpunk 2077 because both of us have finished it and we've both done, you've uninstalled it at this point because it's such an absolute state. It crashed on you during the credits and you were like, I'm yes. done pretending <laughs> that this is okay. And so I also rage quit out of it because I still have it installed, um, but I'm just mopping up all the side missions, all the different things. I've done various different endings. Um, I've done. I've tried to do as many different things as possible, but I hate the whole get every last side mission Combat prompt thing to get a platinum, so I haven't done that, but I've done the vast majority of it. Um, in terms of being newsworthy, um, CDPR have said that they'll defend themselves in the ongoing class action lawsuit from their investors, uh, their shareholders, um, which is being brought uh, towards them and the game because the shareholders say that look, you guys sold us a different version of the game, we invested in a version of the game that isn't available now, um, and so that's like ongoing. Um, but in terms of Cyberpunk overall, it feels like this should be the thing that everyone's talking about in a far more positive light, but it's kind of just there. It's and just to the side in a broken state and we sort of just yeah, touch on it every I- now and then
0: this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which
2: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com/slash Wondersuite.
2: i mean that's like the biggest tragedy of the whole thing you know mm. the fact that at the heart of it i do genuinely think there's a really great game there yes Same. it's not quite the thing that we were sold and i think even without the bugs a lot of people would be looking at it and saying well where's this feature that was promised where's this narrative thread that was promised where mm. why isn't this as robust as it needs to be but even without that like i didn't follow that stuff really closely so i'm not no. necessarily missing it i'm just judging the game that i got mechanically and from a story perspective and like there were days in that christmas break like i said in the news that we did like where i was just living on it i was just putting in like eight hour shifts um and just trying to mop up everything and absorb these stories and you know do side missions i even did the stupid boxing missions that are bad in every single game that's the and one especially, thing i haven't done oh they're especially bad at this they're so stupidly hard and i didn't like First it person but I, melee, I,
1: never good yeah
2: it doesn't work and i was enjoying it so much that i put myself through that because i thought i was going to get something out of it but then yeah like i said in the news I got to this point where it locked me out one of the most important in my opinion um like side threads and i just mm. thought after everything else i've been through all the crashes all the bugs all the other quests bugging out i was just kind of done and then when it crashed during the credits i was like that's the perfect that sums up this game perfectly <laughs> i'm going to uninstall this now you this is the final note of my experience and again i wish i waited because there is mm. such a great game there and after i got over the initial hurdle because i do think it is really overwhelming to begin with in terms yep. of how much it throws at you all the systems you've got all of the world building that needs to be done once you're over that and you're into act two like i could have played that game for 100 hours like if it was working i could have just i could have done what you said that you didn't like there and just go through like the different activities Mm. go through all of those side missions that repeat and just enjoy myself because i found every single thing i was engaging with no matter how mundane it might have appeared there was always something there a nugget Mm. of creativity or a nugget of originality Mm. and it is so dense that I was just, Man, I was enjoying myself and it's it's so
1: disappointing that it turned out the way it did. Well, I definitely liked um I have love all the side stuff. <clears throat> I think there's different like rankings to it because it's some of it's weird. Like you don't the map doesn't really differentiate very well between what is a story-based side mission and what is just something where you're gonna have to go up to a bunch of people and then just wipe everybody out. Like you know that based on the NCPD stuff, because it'll just tell you that there's a crime going on, it's someone being mugged or whatever, and you just kill people. Um, but there's also really good side stuff where you're driving up to it and then but even these, as I'm saying this, some some of this stuff Is also all over the place Because you know You get the uh, the fixer Sort of rings you The bounty bounty hunter Handler Woman person Whatever Rings you and says Hey look There's this thing That's happened This guy's stolen a guitar And it belongs to Johnny Silverhand And we need you to I don't know Like sneak into a mansion And get it back And that's just really cool And there's enough Sort of like narrative grounding You're like reading Different text logs And you're reading About the guy that's bought it And the history of that guy And then other stuff Is just more Hitman based In terms of like literal It's just sort of This target needs yeah. killing So you throw a grenade in Or you snipe them from across the map, but you still get the same, you know, phone call before and after all the text log stuff. But the actual mission is really, really basic. It's just kill a guy. And that stuff's really strange
2: it's it's just so weird that the way the way they rolled out those side missions because for mm. the first like 15 hours or so i thought oh well there's not there's no side missions like there is in the Witcher you know mm. what i mean i'm just going to be doing things like going to cyber psychos doing these kind of like petty crimes and getting the text dumped. but i'm not really going to be making any decisions they're going to be uh, cyber psycho stuff is
1: all over the place as well yeah
2: it is but yeah. then like 20 hours in they were like no here's the proper side missions with characters that are going to have threads and you're going to be able to build relationships and i was like mm. why is this coming so late like <laughs> what what is the pacing and structure mm-hmm. of this game? Because they were so appealing, and that's why I really fell in love with it in the second half. When I was you know doing missions with River or Judy or Panama or whoever, because their arcs were so convincing, and I wanted to get out of my phone and text them back and kind of build these relationships with them. Yeah, and it's just it's just like that is kind of it's bungled so far into the game that you have <laughs> to sort of fight over a lot of stuff to get to it, and you mm-hmm. might be under the impression that those side missions aren't there because you get so many cyber psycho stuff or chasing after suicidal cars or whatever, you know what I mean? Beforehand. And I... that stuff's interesting, but not in the way that you expect from an RPG.
1: I have a violent reaction to the Delamain stuff. I hate the Delamain stuff. Because, really? Oh God, yeah. Because it's, well, it's more because of the way that it's implemented. I hate that he rings you. Like if you have this AI construct thing called Delamain that rings you about his AI cars that have gone rogue and he rings you during other missions. Like I had one mission where I was standing with Johnny and we were looking up to Kerry's mansion, this big Hollywood mansion thing. Um, and Delamain was ringing me and I had the actual car Delamain that needed to be retrieved behind me also ringing me saying like, oh, hey, I need to have a conversation with you. Like, i need you to help me and whatever. Um, as Delamain was telling me what to do, as Johnny was giving me his dialogue. And I was like, this is an absolute nightmare. And you can't say no to him. It just says like Delamain ringing, but you can't cut him off. And then you're just stuck with it. Why does it give you the option, <laughs> Scott Telford, to answer the calls if
2: you can't decline the calls? I was yes. under the assumption that if you just left it, they wouldn't answer. And then no. 25 hours in, I got Deliman the to get you, mate. They just They just pop in anyway. And I'm like, well, why is, why is the option there? And there's also a <laughs> like, Oh go on. Sorry, I was gonna say in the Delamain stuff where mm. it's like I, I quite enjoyed it, especially some of the dialogue in it. But mm. there was one where you have to get one back and you have to kind of like beat up the car a little bit. And I was smashing into this car. And I was just kind of wondering. So I was there for like fifteen minutes and I was thinking, <laughs> are there even How much damage damage? Uh, Yeah, are there even damage models in these cars? Because I don't know if I'm doing anything. I was shooting it. That wasn't working. I was ramming it. I was like, and suddenly it started flaming and setting on fire towards the end. And I was like,
1: okay, this has been the worst mission I've played so far. What's up with this? Well, it's just for me, it's the it's the overlapping stuff. Cause it it's so weird. Like you mentioned the structure of it. And you you know, obviously the characters that matter, the the Judy Pan Am River stuff is so good. I didn't get River yeah. until after I beat the game. Like I didn't do Ooh. the thing that leads to him triggering as a meaningful side character. Um, but it must be said, like, you know, because it feels like this is completely overlooked by just how buggy and all over the place the game is. Um, but for me, the side character writing in here is some of the best character writing in gaming. Like just you have, like I said, the Judy Panam stuff. I love Takamura. Like um yeah, River stuff like that It almost turns into Like a thriller Like a David Fincher Style thriller Where you're going in You're like He's looking for the person That potentially kidnapped His um, cousin Or whoever it is uh, His nephew I think and, um you're going to this like farmland and you're like in, in investigating the serial killer and it's like that just comes out of nowhere but it shifts mm-hmm. the tone and they do it masterfully and it's brilliant um also all the stuff with Johnny I'm here and there on Johnny I like him for the most part but I think he's a complete like POS for the other part of it I can't say other words on um the platform <laughs> but um then they try and they almost invert that with one of his final scenes where he sort of is aware that he comes across like a bit of a douche and he's like oh actually no like you know I'm I'm this was the version of myself that I thought I had to be in Night City. And I'm like, ah, it's really cool too. Um, yeah. But like in terms of the, the structure stuff, I was going to say that when I was playing through it the first time, um, it felt like eight years worth of an art department went hog wild with it, like a scripting department, an art department. Like The, the city is absolutely gorgeous and stunning. And I, I love being in Night City. Um, but I also get the comparison they're making to the outside lands where you're out in the desert and you're just looking back on it. And aren't you glad to be free of all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And even at the heart of the cyber psycho stuff, like it's sort of hinting, or one of the theories is that People have become overwhelmed with stimulus and that's why they're cyber psychos. I love all that stuff, but it does feel like there's eight years worth of story points in this where because CDPR are a developer publisher combo, they've just let everybody do everything. Every story is in here, every text log, whatever. And so every time you drive up to any mission point, you're getting texts, you're getting phone calls, yeah. there's logs, there's different things in the journal and all of that stuff just compounds at one point. Um, and I did have a really like a good sort of sense of balance where I was talking to a main character, sort of like turned away from them, replied to a text, carried on talking to the main character, but it it mm-hmm. synced up perfectly. And I was like, oh, this is this is next level immersion. But then it also can break so easily. So <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, sadly it it mostly broke for me. And like I said, <laughs> I was putting up with so much of that. Even those daft overlapping conversations that, which is I would not know what's going on. Johnny would be trying to talk to me, and I'd be like. <laughs> just stop it, right? Just pause because My I need to uh, balls. Like, yeah, okay, phone me, yeah, Claire like. back or whatever. But at the same time, like, yeah, there is like that, that kind of idea that we've got eight years worth of content packed into it. Like that works as a kind mm. of touristy thing. Like it makes sure that every single thing you're seeing more or less is interesting or has something to it, whether it's from an art perspective, whether it's from a writing perspective, whether it's from a mechanical perspective or what it makes it all interesting, but it also makes it feel weirdly, Disparate, and I felt like mm. a lot of the characters, or a lot of the threads, or a lot of the themes that felt important in the beginning just kind of like didn't come up. Like I was really disappointed with the idea of your what's it called the life story thing. What is that? The life I used to choose at the beginning the life path at the beginning because yes. that started off really interesting. I went as a corporal, which I didn't think I was going to do. Can't believe that, that, Josh Brown. Cannot oh, believe that. that i wanted to, in my head i was kind of envisioning my um protagonist as someone who kind of started off in, in the corporations and then obviously is betrayed and then kind mm. of would come to learn how to like live on the streets or whatever and kind of have that arc <laughs> built in and i was like that sounds really cool and then eventually she go she'll go back and You know, sabotage the corporations, you know, maybe become inspired by Johnny Silverhand. And that all existed only in my head, Scott, because that (laughs) doesn't really play out after the first 20 minutes. And I was like, that is such a missed opportunity. I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of it being an RPG, there are a lot of missed opportunities in kind of forging your path, especially if you're comparing it directly to The Witcher 3. I think you have to go into it expecting a certain experience, expecting it to be more of an action rpg than kind of a regular role-playing game mm. and i think if you kind of go in with that in mind almost treat it like a sort of borderlands or something you know what i mean i think you can oh, get a- oh more out of it i would say not to say the writing isn't good but just your impact on the world doesn't feel anywhere near as strong as other rpgs i played especially from cd project red like a lot of the side missions as good as they are Mm. feel like they just end without any consequence you might get a text or something but you don't get much of a follow-up to how you impacted and maybe I just need to go back through and play these through and try different scenarios, but it, no, felt, like it, done, never, yeah. Yeah, it felt like you never capitalized on that kind of first heist that you do, that sort of proof of concept where you're playing off these different factions, you're mm. making difficult choices, you're aligning with someone over the other and hoping, hoping it will pay out. I never got that after the first main stalling mission
1: no it's true i mean the the one the first mission where you have to get the um the spider bot thing that one has a multitude of different ways that it can go and as soon as i'm sure it was me you and benroy were were comparing how we finished that mission and i think it was benroy that didn't actually he opened fire as soon as he went in so he didn't do any Mm -hmm. of the dialogue stuff um but then that still resulted in someone i think dumbed him or whatever still like respected him or something so it kind of went that way and it feels like that level of mission design is what should have been everywhere um but at the same time i still think there's enough there to get lost in in regards to the side stuff and how detailed the world is like i still love the fiction that they've wrote or the fiction they're tapping into that mike um goldsmith Ponsmith, whatever the dude is that wrote it um is clearly sort of helping flesh out um it's just weird though how fleeting everything is but part of me in terms of just analyzing pieces of art or entertainment part of me is like how much was this intentional because a lot of the takeaway sentiment of the whole game by the time you get to the end and we're not going to do uh, overall spoilers, is this general sort of thematic of Night City being fleeting. This idea that, you know, it's this big over-the-top, like, you know, capitalistic, like, you know, neon flashing. Here's here's how you're satisfied in life. Have this stuff. Um, eat this food. Go to this bar. Do this thing. And it's not wholesome. It's not human. And, like, that's what they try and explore. I don't think they nail it. Um, but are all those sort of missions that you can get lost in maybe supposed to be fleeting? You're supposed to chase something more worthwhile by the end of it
2: yeah I do I do think part of that will be true to an extent because I mean a bunch of the plot especially early on is about becoming a legend and what that means yeah, yeah. and obviously that doesn't mean much if you're forgotten about or if you do only have a fleeting impact on this city that's always going to be there but you're not going to be but even that kind of gets muddied with the um, afterlife bar in Rogue mm. and Johnny becoming genuine legends and it's like I don't really know what you're trying to say All I do the think the quality stuff. of writing. Yeah. yeah that that never gelled with me at all and I think otherwise like like you said the quality of writing for me and the characters there are strong it's just mm. a different kind of strong than what i expected it feels i feel like everyone other than v is written really well in your role in the story is <laughs> kind of it's kind of a bit confused at least it was for me.
1: There's a big old prevailing theory over on the the games reddit at the minute that the street kid is is the way that V was initially supposed to be and they tacked on Nomad and uh, Corpo later because the Corpo uh, opening life path is over in like 10 minutes like you can fly yeah. through that thing and then you get but you just have this then you go into the same montage with Jackie and you come back out of it as the same street kid which is the same path that Nomad links up to as well but the Nomad intro takes longer so it just, it just kind of feels like you know the, the version of V that they wrote was this street kid who believed in Night City and wanted to become a legend, um, and then story-wise had to realize that actually it's you know the more satisfaction within, but you do forge relationships with Pan Am, Judy, whoever else, um, and that's that's your arc. That's a really good written arc. Um, it does mean that V is more of a character than Geralt was, but um, somewhere along development that changed. And the the prevailing theory on Reddit is that it's when Johnny, Sil- when um, Keanu was cast as Johnny Silverhand, and that whole thing sort of fleshed out, um, and they started doing different life paths and everything, because. V feels like it, like a written character in a very specific way, which yeah. it linked up with me because I picked Street Kid. But if you, when I then restarted as Nomad and Corpo, he's just talking the same way or she's talking uh, yeah. the same way. Um, yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Like the, um, the Corpo side of it clashes completely with the way the dialogue is.
2: Yeah, it was. It created like such a jarring dissonance because I was expecting hmm. a certain arc. But like you said, after the corporate introduction, you might as well be a street kid because then at least my V, she was talking about wanting to be a living legend and she had this raspy husk to her voice like she'd <laughs> seen some stuff. She'd been living on the streets. And I was like, in, in the narrative, haven't. in terms of the narrative, you would been living with Jackie for like what, six months, I think mm-hmm. it is, in that skip. And I I'm think like, it's a year that they jump
1: ahead, but they barely yeah, tell okay.
2: you, yeah. Yeah, like they barely tell you. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting and then it kind of creates some weird things where it's like when did you meet Jackie's mom and have such a kind of connection with her like what's what's this like everything in the game like there's so there's so much in there that I love man and I think so much of it is recommendable but it's just from top to bottom it's it's so messy it is so very messy there's so yeah. much to pick apart it's so fascinating to play once you know i mean when it works and you're not getting frustrated and installing it like it is such a fascinating experience to try and meet it on its own terms and appreciate the art that is there pick apart what was intended to be there and clearly hasn't made it (laughs) and then also kind of like the different warring voices of the individual writers and the individual creators who are trying to tell their own stories Mm. in this broad uh, like broader um you know pot of ideas i guess
1: <laughs> in the big old ideas part the thing is <laughs> it, um having played i own the 2022 uh cyberpunk book which is the, the pen and paper um table rpg table rpg pen and paper yeah. rpg you know what i mean the one where you table make a character tabletop. Mm-hmm. that's the word that i want and um yeah you can you know that thing is completely open-ended you're designing uh combat scenarios you're designing you're literally designing everything it's it's you know dungeon master whatever you can make whatever you want and i kind of wonder if that's what they maybe try to sort of branch into at some point but they also have all these like seeds of a more specific linear narrative in there as well. Um it's just It's messy. I don't know. I still appreciate the artistry that's in there, but like you said, it's almost fighting with itself to get like a a through line vision across. I think the game suffers a bit from not having a specific creative director. Like we've heard so much about the team and we've heard so much about the management, um, Adam Kaczynski and uh, Marcin Nowinski and everything, but we haven't had a Corey Barlog type getting out there, you know, helping. We've had Mike Pondsmith, Goldsmith, whose name I can't remember, um, you know, saying like, this is my original work and I'm glad to be working on it. And Keanu has been out there hyping it up, but you know, it's, it struggles that through line vision doesn't necessarily come through. And part of me thinks that uh, maybe that's intentional to some degree because they want you to get lost in the city, but realize that actually you really shouldn't. And all this stuff is horrible, toxic poison and you should just leave it away and, you know, be satisfied with a, with a partner of your choice. But, um, yeah, it's a big old thing. It reminds me of the first Witcher man in that like mm. definitely a great
2: concept there. There's definitely genius ideas there, but it's, it's so rough. It's so messy. It's so <laughs> buggy, obviously. It's so mm. glitchy that it's like, it's a good, it's a, it's a good, I'd say it's a good proof of concept. It's a proof of concept that I want to certainly see more of, but it's, it's interesting that they could take it in any direction. They could be like right with going into the next the next game, presumably mm. the next game, and we're gonna make it even more action focused. We're gonna trim even more of the RPG things. Or they could go the other way and be like, right, we know what you want. We're gonna flesh out this life path stuff. We're gonna flesh out the factions and we're gonna scale back a little bit, but to create but create this deeper Kind of experience and that mm. was kind of a surprise because going into it I remember they, they were saying and just as kind of like a final point mm. the developers before launch they were like talking about the length of the game and how it won't have the scope of Witcher 3 in terms of length because they're trying to be yeah. creative that's more replayable and more dense and in the end I think they, they, they sort of landed on this kind of in between half step that kind of satisfies nobody because it mm. is a long game you can play it for like 70 hours if you did everything
1: mm-hmm.
2: but at the same time It doesn't have the kind of sense of cohesion or choice that you have out of The Witcher. So it's kind of like this long game, but it's not as, um, you know, quality, like the material in there isn't as quality as The Witcher 3. And also you have this kind of really strong early game where you're making these choices and it's dense. But then that kind of doesn't come together towards the end either. And it's like this weird middle step
1: it's such a strange illusion of choice because it reminds me of the first time I played through Telltale's The Walking Dead and it was only after I finished that game that it was like oh actually all of that was going to go the way it was going to go anyway and we just made you think like you had real agency there and like you sort of you have minor you have some choices in that game but the, the major plot beats are going to land the same way regardless um, and I kind of had that feeling with this where I was like this feels like I'm making a bunch of choices like I'm picking the street street kid option which convinces some character to not attack me and convinces you know some deal to go through and then that results in a side character that then gives me a call and I hang out with them and do a whole thing. And I was like, oh man, that's really cool. I bet no one else has seen that. Or like, you know, if you play a different class, you'd get someone else. And then you sort of read everyone else's comparisons outside of that initial dum dum mission, the Spider-Bot mission. And it's like, yeah, that happened with me too. Like oh, any any life path leads to that thing. And it's like, oh, that, that sucks. But I also think that's a talking point into is that still qualifiable as a, an effective way to design a game where I still believed I had agency in this world until I was proven yeah. wrong later. Um, it, it completely obliterates replayability. Um, even though I am going back through as a, a nomad at the minute, but, um, Yeah, there's just, there's so much to it. I think um, based on how long we've rambled for, we might carry this across into next week because it's not like there's not going to be any more Cyberpunk news updates between now and then. Um, So yes, come find us on social media. Let us know what you think of Cyberpunk 2077, what state of the game has been in for you and what you'd like to see from the January, February patches and going forward. Um, For now, we are the news lads. This has been the news lads. I've been Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. It's nice to be back,
2: Scott. Happy New Year and everyone else listening Happy to New this. Year
1: and a Merry Christmas to you as well, mate. We'll catch you next Good. week. Bye-bye. Bye.